Micah chapter 3 this morning. Micah is one of the Old Testament prophets. Go to Isaiah and turn right in your Bible. One of the minor prophets. Minor, not because his message was meaningless, but minor because we have a shorter collection of his preaching and teaching and his messages for the people of God. But as we are on the eve of the eve of an election in our nation, uh, to say nonetheless that we are in an election year in 2020, as we are battling a global pandemic, as civic unrest fills the streets with racial tensions and violence, we have never before probably faced a time where the church needs to regain her voice. Where the people of God need to regain their voice in the world in which we live. And as I was preparing and looking over some different texts this week, this text stuck out to me in Micah chapter 3 as a text that really calls us to regain that prophetic voice. See, I believe the answer, the answer of our world, and we know this, uh, the answer for our world is found in Jesus Christ. And the ultimate peace and the ultimate answer for our world is found in the coming kingdom of God. But while we await the answer, while we await the coming kingdom, God has planted us here, church, to be a voice. To be a voice that the realm and the grace of God that was that will be present when Christ is ruling and reigning would be present now through us. That we would use and steward our lives, our vote, our conscience, our voice, our will, our ways, that we in our lives would become a living picture of the standard of God. I've entitled this morning's message, Be a Voice. Be a voice, because I want to challenge us this morning in challenging days, in days of unrest, in days of, you might say, craziness that 2020 has brought us. If there's ever a time that this world needs a voice of hope, needs a voice of truth, needs a voice of grace, it is now. And God has planted us as his people here to be a voice, to be a voice. Micah chapter 3 this morning. Let's read the the entire chapter. And then um, I want to look at this this morning about being a voice. Micah chapter 3. And I said, Hear now, O heads of Jacob, and you rulers of the house of Israel. is, uh, Is it not for you to know justice? You who hate good and love evil, who strip the skin from my people and the flesh from their bones, who also eat the flesh of my people, flay their skin from them, break their bones, and chop them in pieces like meat for the pot, like flesh in the cauldron. Not a pretty picture. Then they will cry to the Lord, but he will not hear them. He will even hide his face from them at that time because they have been evil in their deeds. Thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who make my people stray, who chant peace while they chew with their teeth, but who prepare war against him who puts nothing into their mouths. Therefore you shall have night 
with no vision, without vision. You shall have darkness without divination. The sun shall go down on the prophets, and the day shall be dark for them. So the seers shall be ashamed, and the diviners abashed. Indeed, they shall all cover their lips, for there is no answer from God. But, thank God for this verse. But, truly, I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord and of justice and of might to declare to Jacob his transgressions and to Israel his sin. Now hear this, you heads of the house of Jacob, you rulers of the house of Israel, who abhor justice and pervert all equity, who build up Zion with bloodshed and Jerusalem with iniquity. Her heads judge for a bribe. Her priests teach for pay. And her prophets divine for money. Yet they lean on the Lord and say, Is not the Lord among us? No harm can come upon us. Therefore, because of you, Zion shall be plowed like a field. Jerusalem shall become heaps of ruins. And the mountain of the temple like the bare hills of the forest. Be a voice. Be a voice. It's not a pretty picture we see here in Micah 3, as Micah the prophet of God is, is speaking to the people of God. It's a message of, of warning. It's a message of, uh, of judgment that Micah is, is speaking against the people of Israel. What I want to do this morning is I want to, I want to first zoom out and kind of get a big picture for what's going on, but then I want to zoom in and, 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 and see the, the, the specific applications of this, uh, this message from God so that we can become a voice of God in a world of unrest. See, the, what's going on here we see is, is Micah being sent as a messenger of justice in a world of injustice. Micah here sets himself up in verse 8. We see this as a dominating thing. Uh, over and against the rulers and leaders of the people and over and against the false prophets who are prophesying peace into a world that is living in sin, Micah says, but I, but I am full of the power by the Spirit of the Lord to declare justice and of justice and of might to declare to Jacob his sin, to Israel her iniquity. What are we, what, what are we talking about? Micah here is saying, I am a voice of conscience from outside the system. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, I have come to be a voice of justice in a world of injustice. A voice of, of judgment into a world that has gone crazy, uh, speaking peace over sin. He says, I'm going to stand outside the system and speak forth the truth of justice from God. Amen. And there are many people today who are talking about pursuing justice. And you'll hear these words around, flying around the world, or around the world, and different voices that are speaking. You may hear the the term social justice. Uh, don't let that scare you, because our world is crying for justice. Our world is crying for a world that would set right. Our world is crying for a world in which peace would reign. Our world is crying for an end to the injustice we see all around us. But my friends, the answer is in the world to come. 
There's three, there's a word that appears here three times in the text. The word justice appears three times here in the text. And, and it's the Old Testament Hebrew word, mishpat. Let me teach you our Hebrew word, mishpat. It, it's used to speak of people uh, receiving their just due. It is used two, over 200 times in the Old Testament. And it does speak of punishment and justice due to wrongdoing. But there's another way in which justice is used biblically. And it's used in the Old Testament. And that has to do with the equal and fair treatment of people. It's used in Deuteronomy when God talks about the priests receiving their just payment for their wage or for what they've done in their work for God. For them to receive what is due them, to receive what is owed them, for them to be treated as they should is to receive mishpat. Mishpat. To receive justice. And justice is a common theme throughout the Old Testament prophets because throughout the Old Testament prophets what the prophets have to confront is the reality that people are often mistreated. People are often abused and mistreated by people over them and above them and often they are not given the the value that they deserve as people created in the image of God. There are... Um, Common to this idea of justice is the reality of, um, specifically, a uh, specific application of this is, is, is treatment of the poor, the orphan, and the widow. The treatment of those that are least of these. And specifically, that is some of the strongest messages of the Old Testament prophets come against leaders who take advantage of the least of these. And so the prophets here are called to be a voice from outside the system, to be able to speak into the system the reality of justice as God defines it, to be able to speak truth into the reality of a culture that often mistreats the very people that God has created in his image and in his likeness. And so into this culture, Micah comes as a spirit-empowered prophet. Prophets were like a measuring rod uh, 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 to call out the difference between the way God would have his people to live and the way they were actually living. Between God and his people, between the standard of God and the standard of his people, there would stand a prophet who would then declare and say, hey guys, this is what God says, this is how you're living, let's close the gap. Picture a level, right? Picture the level. If you've done any kind of building, you know the danger of building without a level. But if you take that level and the plumb line, you put that on the object to make sure things are straight as they should be, that helps you to know, like, yes, this is in line with the way it should be. The prophets would take a level to God's people and say, are you lined up with God's word the way it should be? Are you lined up with the mishpat of God? Are you lined up with the justice of God? Are you aligned with the kingdom of God? Are you living as God would have you to be? So that in the world of injustice, in the world of violence, in a world broken by sin, there would be a people who were living as filled with justice from God. Church, 
we are the prophetic people of God. And I want to challenge this this morning to be a voice. To be a voice. That in the world as we know it, as we see it today, that in this world as we uh, of 2020, which is almost enough to, to say enough on its own, 2020, with the craziness that we see. We need a prophetic voice. And church, we are that prophetic voice that God has planted and filled with the Holy Spirit to be a voice of, of reason, to be able to say, here's the standards of God. Here's what's wrong with culture. Let's bring these together. Let's work for change. Let's work for transformation. Let's see lives changed and transformed by the power of the Spirit of God. And let's see the mishpat of God, the peace of God, the justice of God um, uh, worked out in the world around us. Let's be a voice. Be a prophetic voice. The passage here breaks down into three scenes. Because as, as Micah is, is being a, a prophetic voice, as he is prophesying to the nation in its sin, he, as he is, is bringing uh, uh, charges against them, he takes up lawsuits against them. The picture in the text here is, is that of a lawsuit where there were three scenes, three courtroom scenes, where, where, where Micah is going to bring charges against the people of Israel and bring the justice of God to bear on the reality of the world as they were living. And the first thing he does in scene one is he goes after the heads of the government and the leaders. Hear you, O heads of Jacob, and you, O rulers of the house of Israel. Is it not for you to know justice? See that word there? The first thing we see here is Micah raising his voice against the violence of the leadership as they were mistreating people and doing damage to the people of God. Is it not for you to know justice? Here's the danger. The very people that were supposed to be in charge of justice, in charge of making sure that evil was punished, that good was rewarded, the the people that were responsible for law and order in the reality of of what God had designed, the, the, the people responsible to seek God's order among His people were the very people that were perpetrating violence against the people of God. It was for them to know justice, but they were the ones who were loving evil and hating good. They had turned the tables and were now becoming vessels of violence against the very people God called them to lead. You who hate good and love evil. And listen to how Micah uses the the ideas of cannibalism to speak against and speak of what they were doing to the people. You who hate good and love evil, who strip the skin from my people and the flesh from their bones, who eat the flesh of my people, flay their skin from them, break their bones and chop them in pieces like meat for the pot, like flesh for the cauldron. They weren't literally, this isn't to be understood literally to where the leaders were participating in cannibalism, but this was actually a picture to display the violence and the, the absolute injustice of what they were doing to the people of God. See, there were a, uh, a bureaucracy had arose, a, 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 a governmental system had arose, uh, which depended upon military power to get what they want. And rather than using that power as a protection for the people of God, they used the military power against the people of God and began attacking the very people they were meant to protect. 
in order to satisfy their own craving and desire for land and money and, 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 and the expansion of their territory. They had taken the very standard of God that God had given them and they had turned it around. They weren't living by God's standard. Instead, they were using the power and the authority that God had given them in their own selfish way to abuse and mistreat the people of God and take what they wanted from them. In this absolute abuse of power, they are cannibalizing, if you will, the people of God and taking advantage of them for their own good, for their own desires. Kind of gross, right? The abuse of power and violence. Notice too, notice down here at the um, verse 10. And this was the reality of how they were building the kingdom. They were building the kingdom on violence and bloodshed. Who build up Zion with bloodshed. Well, actually, go to verse 9. Now hear this, you heads of the house of Jacob and rulers of the house of Israel, who abhor justice, there's that word again, and pervert all equity, who build up Zion with bloodshed and Jerusalem with iniquity. They had taken the military power that God had given them to steward for the protection of people and abused it and turned the tables and begun to use it to perpetrate evil and violence against the very people God had called them to protect. And they were doing so to build their kingdom. They had established, they were building their own kingdom on the blood of their people. They were building their own power at the expense of their people. And they were, they were going after the very people God had called them to serve for their own selfish gain. Violence. A voice against violence. So Micah, as a spirit-empowered prophet, is standing here and looking at this reality playing out before him. And he says, this should not be. Rulers, what are you doing cannibalizing the people of God to build your own kingdom on bloodshed? This is wrong. The justice of God comes against the violence of leaders who would seek to mistreat people for their own selfish gain. Who would seek to build their kingdom on the backs of the least of these and through bloodshed and war and violence, gaining what they want at the expense of the very people they were called to protect. But I don't think much has changed in a few thousand years, has it? Micah could be written today, I foresee. As we look at the world around us, there is a cry of justice going about. Now, fair warning, I might step on some toes this morning with this message. Because God has called us, church, to be a voice against violence. We are to be a voice who will stand up against those who will mistreat others in the name of selfishness. In a world of injustice, in a world that is establishing kingdoms on bloodshed and war. Listen, this is not the way of the kingdom of God. 
The kingdom of God has come to bring the peace of God and the justice of God to bear on the world around us. And in a world that wants to build kingdoms through bloodshed and war, in a world that wants to seize and take and and, and mistreat people for their own selfish gain, we the people of God have been called to say, enough is enough. When the leaders here had perverted equity, which means equality in the the equal treatment of people under the law, said here they abhor justice and pervert all equity. See, in that midst, here is the spirit-empowered prophet of God using a voice to be a voice against violence to say, stop it. Enough is enough. We have a world that is crying for viol- crying for justice in a world of violence right now. And our world is seeing violence on, on both sides of the aisle. I don't care who you are today. I don't care what side you fall on. There are all kinds of different sides. And every one of them are saying justice. Justice. And see over here. Are the African, is the African American community that has been seeing and feeling, and whether you agree with them or not, have been feeling as though those that have been called to protect them, those that have been called to, um, uh, to, to, to guard them, those that have been called to be vessels of justice, have actually mistreated some of their own. We've seen it all time and time and time again over the past number of years as uh, the stories of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and again and again throughout the news as voices have been rising saying, Justice! Justice! Where's the justice? Why is there being unjust? Why are the very vessels of justice uh, uh, perpetrating evil against? African-American community. But on the other side, and on the other side, you, we see them raising their voice, trying to speak and cry for justice, but they're doing so, perpetuating violence themselves. All across this nation, there are communities that are full of violence and rioting, and, 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 and I mean, they're, they're literally raising buildings and burning down businesses, trying to cry for justice. But hear me now, the cry, the, the answer for justice is not more injustice. The answer for justice is not more injustice. And so while they're over here crying for justice and, and trying to, to, to raise their voice, their voice is actually becoming another voice of violence in the middle of a system that is destroying communities and destroying economies and destroying their neighbors at the expense of their own self. And in the middle of this world, and church, in the middle of this world, I don't care what side of the aisle you stand on, we have been called to be a prophetic voice of hope against violence, saying enough is enough. Violence is never okay. It's not okay to mistreat anyone. I don't care if they're red or yellow, black or white. All are precious in His sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. But at the same time, it's not okay. To destroy communities and destroy economies in the name of justice. 
And church, we are the people empowered by the Spirit of God to be a voice. To be a voice against the violence. Against this violence here and against violence here. To say enough is enough. Because in God's kingdom, God's standard of justice, in God's standard of justice, this doesn't happen, but neither does this. There's peace. Can we be that church? Can we be that church that is so filled with the Spirit of God that we will be a voice against the violence and and against the mistreatment of people created in the image of God that will say, I will speak, I will speak up when I see people mistreating others. I will speak out when I see people mistreating their community. I will speak up and I will cry and I will work for the justice of God to rule and reign on earth. There's another group that deserves a cry of justice. While the violence and rioting flow through our streets, the blood of the unborn flows freely in our nation. Millions have been aborted since 1973 when abortion was legalized. As people are killing their own for their own selfish purposes. Can we be a voice for the voiceless? Can we be a voice for the unborn who are literally crying in the womb, have silent cries as they are torn apart under the scalpel of medical professionals, under the gaze of a medical procedure where men and women are destroying life before it even has a chance to take its first breath? Can we be a voice against violence? Notice the judgment of God on the violence. Verse 4. Then they will cry to the Lord, but he will not hear them. He will even hide his face from them at that time because they have been evil in their deeds. The danger of church is if we don't raise our voice, God will turn down the volume. If we don't raise our voice, God can press mute. And he says, I won't hear their prayers because there's so much blood on their hands. Wasn't it David who couldn't build the temple because his hands were so stained with blood? Let us raise our voice before God turns down the volume and refuses to hear the cries of those crying for justice. Let us be a voice. But secondly, we go into the second courtroom scene as as Micah now turns the tide and he's gone after the the, the misuse of political power and the politicians who have abused their power to, at, at the expense of their people. And now he turns over to the, the, the preachers of the day, the prophets, if you will. And he's going to go after them because they too are victim to this injustice. There's another kind of justice that's flowing out of the church because in the world where the, where, where, where the uh, violence is being perpetrated against people, the, 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 and the ear of God is being turned off to their prayers. Meanwhile, the church is over here saying it's all good. It's all good. 
Verse 5, thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who make my people stray, who chant peace while they chew with their teeth, but who prepare war against him who puts nothing into their mouths. What happened in this day is that the false prophets came together with the political leaders of the day and they came into a relationship where the wealthy, the wealthy and powerful in the, in the, um, in the leadership of Israel had begun to feed and give money and funnel resources into the prophets so the prophets would keep prophesying peace. So as they're over here perpetrating violence to the people created in God's image, the prophets are saying it's all good. Peace, peace, nothing's wrong here. While they're chewing with their mouth. But here's the thing. When they stop getting what they want. They declared holy war. Against the people. They chant peace while they chew with their teeth. So when they're sitting good. And sitting pretty at the dinner table. And having a good meal. It's peace, peace. But the minute you stop feeding and putting food on their table, they said, God's against you. God's going to come and destroy you. There's a holy war coming to destroy. God's going to vindicate his, vindicate himself against his enemies. Their, their message changed depending upon the money that was in the offering plate. Meanwhile, they're prophesying peace. If they had enough money, they'd prophesy peace over a nation living in sin. Therefore, verse 6, you shall have night without vision. You shall have darkness without divination. The sun shall go down on the prophets, and the day shall be dark for them. So the seers shall be ashamed, and the diviners abashed. Indeed, they shall cover their lips, for there is no answer from God. You know, God turns the tables now to say, Okay, prophets, enough is enough. I turn the volume down on the prayers of the leaders of Israel. Now I'm turning off your mic. And now I'm turning off the mic, and I won't even speak to you. And and beyond just the authentic prophetic voice in which the Spirit of God really did give them a prophetic message, beyond that, it was so, uh, their judgment was so strong, they wouldn't even be able to go through divination, which was the un- which was the, the worldly satanic method and counterfeit of God's, um, uh, of God's way of speaking. They wouldn't even be able to access information that way. Remember how Samuel went to the medium, or Saul went to the medium to get to Samuel? And God, I mean, that was completely against everything God had taught. But God says here, even if you go that way, even if you go through the mediums and the witches and all the crazy demonic stuff like that, you're not getting an answer. I'm shutting off the mic. I'm done. I'm not speaking to you anymore. Because you have mistreated my people with the, uh, telling them lies as long as they fill your stomach. Can I tell you that's an injustice too? It's one of the greatest, perhaps one of the greatest injustices is when the word of God can't be found in the house of God. When you go into the house of God and there's a people, there are preachers and prophets for 
proclaiming peace over a nation living in sin only because there are funnels of finances that are going into their wallet and making them live as if... And But the minute they get cut off from their supply, they turn the tide because it all depends on the money. Perhaps the greatest injustice is the injustice of false prophets proclaiming peace over a nation living in sin while they devour, while they build their kingdom. And here's the thing, it's the same, at the root of it is the same thing. Over here, violence is coming to use power, the misuse of power to mistreat people, to build their own kingdom on bloodshed and war. And over here, the prophets are are profiteering from the leaders by prophesying peace in a world of sin, meanwhile building their own kingdoms on the backs of their nation, telling them lies to be able to funnel and build their own house. Micah says, no way. And look there at the darkness that God says. God wouldn't speak anymore. For there is no answer from God. Verse 7 here talks about being ashamed. They shall cover their lips. It, it It was a shameful thing in that culture to cover your lips. And Micah says they're going to cover their lips in shame. Because there will be no word from God. They'll go to the prophet and they'll be like, I can't hear a thing. God turned off the mic. He's not speaking. I can't even go find an old tape with a word from God. There's there's a famine. And Amos prophesied it. He said there would be a famine in the land, not for food, but for the word of God. In the midst of this culture, God raised up a voice. To be a voice against violence and to be a voice against other voices who could stand in this culture amidst the the political system abusing the people of God and and, and in the the system of the church and the religious leaders that were were covering it over with their false hopes of uh, of peace. In the midst of this, Micah says, hey, I've been called to stand out and be a voice against the voices. I'm not only a voice against the violence, but I'm here to be a voice against the voices that in a vo- in a world with voices telling you one thing after another, peace, war, peace and war and peace and war. There was a spirit empowered voice of truth in a world of lies to say, here's what really, here's what God really thinks. Church, can we be a voice? Can we be a voice in a world of error? Can we be a voice of right in a world of lies? Can we be a voice of truth in a world that is speaking peace over a nation living in sin? Can we declare the truth and love? See, here's the reality. In a world of violence and lies, God raised up a prophet of truth and love. A prophet of justice where the truth could be found in the house of God and where justice could be found in the courts of the people and where all could dwell in peace and serenity. That is God's vision. But he needs a voice. A voice against violence. A voice against the other voices. And here's the thing. It's going to have to be a voice against the tide. 
A voice against the tide. When you take up the mantle of being a prophetic person, of standing and speaking up and speaking out in a world full of violence and in a world full of lies, it's going to place you against the tide. Culture isn't going... You're not going to be able to just flow with the tide of culture and be able to speak prophetically to culture. Because in our third courtroom scene, we see the tide of destruction. Verse 11. Her heads judge for a bribe, her priests teach for pay, and her prophets divine for money. Now we see, see what had happened. It, it, the tide had infected the church and the government so much that there was this unholy alliance between church and political power to where they were working together to perpetuate the injustices against the people. The prophets were prophesying for a bribe. The, the priests were teaching for money. And the judgment leaders were judging for a bribe. At the root of it was greed. At the root of it was greed. They were so hungry for money that they were willing to say whatever the people wanted them to say. And say it for whoever wrote the biggest check. And it didn't matter if they went down to the courthouse or if they went over to God's house. They were working together in a system of injustice so that it, they were they were perpetuating the sin of the nation. And it was a tide, there was a tide flowing through all of this that was plunging them into destruction. And here's the thing, in the middle of it, they were at peace, they were saying we're at peace with God. Look at this. Yet they lean on the Lord and say, Is not the Lord among us? No harm can come upon us. See, there was an idea in uh, this day and in this age that the physical representation of the temple was uh, was a guarantee of God's presence. So because the physical temple was still standing in Jerusalem, everything was all right with God. Um, one of my professors in my Jeremiah class in Bible school called it like a lucky rabbit's foot. The temple was like their lucky rabbit's foot. As long as the temple was standing, it don't matter what we do, <clears throat> we're at peace with God. God's on our side. And that, that error, that theology, they had the, 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 the tide of, uh, of evil that was working in the trifecta of leadership had created a theology that brought peace and security and assurance to a people living in sin. Be careful of a theology that protects the injustice of the world around you. Be careful of a theology that that protects the evil and the violence being perpetuated against the image bearers of God. Be careful of a theology that that protects and promises peace to a nation living in sin. Because at its root, there is a selfish greed that can lead people into all sorts. All sorts of theological error. Yet they lean on the Lord and say, Is not the Lord among us? And here's the end game. Therefore, because of you, Zion shall be plowed like a field. Jerusalem shall become like a heap of ruins. And the mountains of the temple like the bare hills of the forest. 
Not a very encouraging word, is it? Because the tide of evil had come and God said, you think your temple is indestructible. I'm coming for the temple and I'm going to destroy the temple. Micah's message was one of judgment. Micah's message was because of the violence and because of the voices of evil and because of the tide as working together, this tide is going to flow right into the destruction of the very thing that you think secures your place in my kingdom, the temple. But lest I leave us in a place with no hope, there's hope today. Because Micah's message was heeded. But a hundred years later, after Micah brought this harsh word of judgment to the people of God, Jeremiah, Jeremiah in Jeremiah 26, I believe it is, actually says that, that, that it was heeded, the message was heeded, the people repented and God relented. Jeremiah 26. Starting in verse 17. Then certain of the elders of the land rose up and spoke to all the assembly of the people, saying, Micah of Moresheth prophesied in the days of Hezekiah, king of Judah, and spoke to all the people of Judah, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Zion shall be plowed like a field, Jerusalem shall become a heaps of ruins, and the, temp- the mountain of the temple like the bare hills of the forest. Did Hezekiah, king of Judah, and all Judah ever put him to death? Did he not fear the Lord and seek the Lord's favor? And the Lord relented concerning the doom which he had pronounced against them. But we are doing great evil against ourselves. The good news, the good news was that Micah was heard. And the reality of when there's a voice, when there was a spirit-empowered voice against the violence, and a spirit-empowered voice against the false voices, there was a voice that turned the tide and turned the nation away from the evil that God had, had, had said was coming their way. Micah stood as a voice of truth in a world of lies, as a voice of peace in a world of violence, and stood against the tide saying, turn around, Turn around, turn around. And when the people listened, God relented. And they actually, the the destruction of the temple was put off into the future. Unfortunately, in Jeremiah's day, there was, they had entered into this cycle of evil once again. And God did end up bringing judgment upon the people and destroying the temple. But the news for us is the reality and the power of a voice. The power of a prophetic voice that if someone will stand up in the power of the Spirit of God, be a voice against the violence, be a voice against the other voices, that you can be a voice against the tide and God will actually turn the tables and relent of the destruction that is coming. Because church, evil will be punished, but there is grace, there is hope, there is life, there is truth. There is, there is life in the presence of God for all who will turn from their evil ways. My challenge for us this morning is will we be a voice? In a world of evil, will we be a voice of goodness? In a world of lies, will we be a voice of truth? In a world of violence, will we be a voice for true justice? 
in a world of evil, can we be a voice of holiness? In a world of selfishness, can we be a voice of selflessness? In a world of greed, can we be a voice of generosity? In a world of evil, can we be a voice of good? In the kingdoms of this world, can we be a voice for the kingdom of God? That's my challenge for us this morning. Truly I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord and of justice and of might to declare to Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. As we prepare this morning, this week to head into the voting booth, as we prepare to go about our week in the world of violence, in a world of lies, in a world of confusion, say nothing of lies, we don't even know what the truth is with some of this stuff. Can we be the voice of God? A voice of justice, a voice of peace, and a voice of truth standing against the tide of evil that is plunging people into destruction in hopes that just like Micah, we might see people come and repent and come and be changed by the kingdom power of Jesus Christ. Let's be a voice. Let's be a voice.